Hello everyone, and welcome to JTalk Extra Time. John Steele here in the host seat this week. We are going to run you through all of the latest news from J2, and then, uh, yes, I have a chat with Gary Owen, Kumamoto supporter, for the kind of analysis section of the pod. After that, there's all of the J3 latest, as ever, with Magic Mike Innes in JTalk Short Corner, so uh, please stay tuned for that. Without further ado, we'll talk about J2, but even before that, we should give a shout out to uh, Roasso Kumamoto and their Emperor's Cup uh, glory that they experienced uh, last midweek. So in the Emperor's Cup quarter-final, uh, the final score at Egao Kenko Stadium was Kumamoto 1, Kobe 1, but the J2 side triumphed 4-3 in the penalty shootout. So yes, glory for Kumamoto, knocking out some illustrious visitors uh, at home. In this game, both sides had good chances, but it was Kumamoto who went in front on the hour. A lovely flicked ball into the penalty area found their captain, Rei Hirakawa, and he brilliantly swept the ball into the bottom corner for 1-0. Kumamoto almost managed to close out the game inside 90 minutes, but a late mistake allowed Kobe to equalise with just three minutes left. Kumamoto's keeper Ryuga Tashiro, uh, usually so important to the team's success of course, made a rash decision to come off his line and punch a high ball, but he was beaten to it by Jean Patrick and the Brazilian forwards header bounded into the unguarded net to make it 1-1. Both sides missed a great chance to snatch the win before the referee blew for full time and extra time, and there were no goals in the additional 30 minutes. Into the penalty shootout, Kobe's Yoshinori Muto saw his kick saved by Tashiro, and Reo Osaki then blazed his penalty over the crossbar. This allowed Hirakawa to sink Kumamoto's fifth kick and make it a 4-3 win for the J2 side. So well done to Kumamoto. They're into the semi-finals of the Empress Cup for the first time ever. And in the semi-final game, they'll travel to Chiba to face another J1 side in the form of Kashiwa Reisol. And uh, yes, I talked to Gary a bit about this in our chat section, so please stay tuned for that. Okay, on to J2, and all 11 games in round 33 took place last weekend. Uh, We'll continue by talking about Kumamoto. I think there was no joy for them in the league, unfortunately. Their struggles continue as they lost 1-0 away at Jeff Chiba, and Kumamoto are now in 20th place and just two points above the relegation zone. This was a third league defeat in a row uh, for them, a sharp contrast to their uh, form in the Emperor's Cup. In the first half of this game, Kumamoto were no match for Jeff, really. Tashiro had to make several fine saves, and I think the one from Dudu was probably the best. Meanwhile, Jeff's hero, Komori, also hit the crossbar. As it turned out, Kumamoto did come close to keeping a clean sheet and earning a point, but in the 86th minute, another mistake from Tashiro allowed Jeff to grab a heartbreaking winner. The goalkeeper spilled a left-wing cross, and Jeff's Hiroto Goya managed to get the loose ball back across the six-yard box for Koki Yonekura to stab it over the line. There was a chance for Kumamoto to equalise right at the death, but Yusei Toshira fired over at close range, and the game was lost. It finished Jeff Chiba 1, Kumamoto 0. Three straight wins for Jeff, who were up in 11th. They are one of a group of five teams who are locked together on 48 points, so just two points adrift of the playoff places. Let's stay at the bottom of the table and talk about the bottom side, Omiya. They gave a really good account of themselves away at Yamagata, and the match finished Yamagata 1, Omiya 1. After a goalless first half, it was Omiya who went ahead in the 53rd minute. Masato Kojima did really well to get to the edge of Yamagata's six-yard box, and he cut the ball back for Jakub Swetschok to roll the ball into the bottom corner. 
The lead was short-lived though, because parity was restored just eight minutes later. Zane Isaka fizzed the ball across goal from the Yamagata right. Omiya's goalkeeper Takashi Kasahara could only palm it out to Yusuke Goto, and he controlled on his chest and fired into the net from close range. Both sides had some chances to win the game after that, but a 1-1 draw seemed like a pretty fair result in the end, and that's how it finished. That leaves Omiya seven points adrift of safety, with nine games to go. Meanwhile, Yamagata are in ninth, and they're another of the uh, teams on 48 points, as mentioned uh, already. Also in the relegation zone, and there was no movement up the table for the second bottom Kanazawa, as they were well beaten 3-0 at home by Tokyo Verdi. The first half of this game was the Hikaru Nakahara show. He had a hand in the Verdi opener in the 38th minute when his deep free kick wasn't really dealt with by the Kanazawa defence and the ball ended up being deflected past goalkeeper Yuto Shirai for 1-0. This uh, goal was recorded as, as an own goal and I think it hit defender Tiger Son last on its way into the net. Then, in first half stoppage time, Nakahara let fly with an absolute thunderbolt from 25 yards that arrowed into Shirai's top right-hand corner to make it 2-0 at the interval. Absolutely brilliant goal, probably the best goal of the round, I think. Verdi then added a third goal in the 88th minute when Goki Yamada, just on the pitch as a substitute, crossed low into the Kanazawa box. Fellow striker Itsuki Somino showed quick feet to touch the ball around Shirai and then poke it into the empty net. So Kanazawa nil, Tokyo Verdi 3 was the full-time score. Kanazawa are two points adrift of the safety line, but it's worth remembering they have a game in hand on everybody else in the bottom five. Meanwhile, Verdi are riding high in fourth, still in the thick of the automatic promotion race. They're only two points behind second-placed Iwata. One point above Kumamoto, in 19th place, are Renofa Yamaguchi, who suffered a damaging home defeat against Mito. The final score was Yamaguchi 1, Mito 2, and Fumiya Unoki was the star man for Mito. He gave the visitors the perfect start when he put them ahead in just the third minute. He controlled a cross-field pass from Koshi Osaki inside the Yamaguchi penalty area and then fired the ball low past Kentaro Seki in the Yamaguchi goal from about 12 yards. Unoki also scored Mito's second in the 21st minute after Mizuki Ando had released him down the visitor's right. Unoki cut inside and then from the edge of the penalty area curled a low shot past Seki's right hand and into the bottom corner to make it 2-0. This was an exciting first half because Yamaguchi reduced the deficit just six minutes later. A shot from Georgi Ikigami was blocked, but dropped just right for Kota Kawano to control and poke into the net from around the penalty spot. No more goals in the game, but Mito did go close to making it 3-1 early in the second half when a shot from Ando was deflected onto the crossbar by a defender, but it finished Yamaguchi 1, Mito 2. That three points moves Mito up to 15th, a full seven points clear of the drop zone. For 18th placed Iwaki, there was late heartbreak as they lost to a 90th minute penalty at home to Okayama. It finished Iwaki 1, Okayama 2. This was the second penalty that Iwaki had conceded in the match. The drama started in the fourth minute when defender Rei Ieizumi clipped Isa Sakamoto inside the penalty area for Okayama's first spot kick. But Sakamoto himself fired the penalty against the post, uh, the chance was missed, and Iwaki survived. Meanwhile, at the other end, Ryo Arita rattled Okayama's crossbar with a fierce 20-yard effort. So, no goals at half-time, but the away side went in front five minutes into the second period, 
A clever through ball from Taishi Semba sent Thiago Alves racing clear out wide on the Okayama right. He powered his way into the penalty area and then fired the ball in at goalkeeper Toru Takagiwa's near post for 1-0. Iwaki hit the post from a corner as they pushed for an equaliser, but they did pull level in the 66th minute. Midfielder Yoshihiro Shimoda tried his luck with a chance from about 25 yards, and the ball deflected off Jordi Bice and ended up in the back of the net for 1-1. That seemed like it would be the end of the scoring, but in the 90th minute, the referee awarded Okayama another penalty during a goalmouth scramble. Iwaki's Naoki Kase was uh, quite harshly penalised for a high boot, I think, in a challenge with Okayama's Takaya Kimura. Uh, penalty was a bit harsh, but it was given, and it was emphatically converted by Stefan Mook to make the final score Iwaki 1, Okayama 2. Uh, a first defeat in five for Iwaki, uh, and they stay five points clear of the relegation zone. Meanwhile, after three straight wins, Okayama are suddenly up to seventh. They're another one of the teams in that group on 48 points just outside the playoff places. Fujieda, my FC, are 17th, level on points with Iwaki, and 16th place Tokushima. They lost 2-0 away at Tochigi at the weekend in round 33. This was Fujieda's fourth defeat in a row, and the writing was on the wall from the 20th minute. By this point, they were already 2-0 down, thanks to a brace from Ismaila. In the 15th minute, Tochigi went in front, following a deep free kick from Kenta Fukumori. Fujieda's goalkeeper, Kai Chidi Kitamura, did his best to palm the ball to safety from Fukumori's free kick, but he could only push it out to Ismaila, who was able to volley into the net from about 10 yards. And five minutes later, Ismaila scored his and touched his second. He outmuscled his marker on the edge of the centre circle, just inside the Fujieda half, then carried the ball to the edge of the penalty area. He then breezed past the last defender as if he were a traffic cone and confidently placed the ball past Kitamura. Before half-time, it was nearly 3-0, with Hayato Fukushima smashing a right-footed effort against the Fujieda crossbar, but there was no way back for the visitors, and it finished Tochigi 2, Fujieda 0 at the Kanseki Stadium. Tochigi are up to 13th in the table, level on points with Akita and Mito. Those three are seven points clear of the relegation zone, with nine games to play. So Tochigi 2, Fujieda 0 was the final score. Staying at the wrong end of the table, Tokushima's recent revival continued with a clean sheet and a point away at Shimizu S-Pulse. It was a Shimizu nil, Tokushima nil at full time. At times this game felt like attack versus defence as Shimizu threw absolutely everything at Tokushima, but it was the visitors who had two great chances to snatch all three points in the second half. Firstly, Shimizu keeper Shuichi Gonda had to make a brilliant flying save from Kaito Mori at close range. And then Akito Tanahashi picked up a loose ball on the edge of the Shimizu penalty area and fired a low shot against the inside of Gonda's right-hand post. So Shimizu nil, Tokushima nil was the final score. Tokushima now unbeaten in five matches, so things are going pretty well under their new boss Tatsuma Yoshida. Shimizu, meanwhile, remained third, just a point behind second-placed Iwata. Speaking of Iwata, they also dropped points in a 1-1 draw away at mid-table Akita, after a goalless first half, Iwata nearly went in front through Masaya Matsumoto's header. His effort was brilliantly saved by Akita keeper Kentaro Kakoi, and Ryo Germain could only turn the follow-up against the post from a tight angle. 
It was the home side, Akita, though, who eventually broke the deadlock on the hour, with captain Ryutaro Iyo volleying in a superb free kick from Takama Mizutani at the far post. It seemed like Akita had done enough just about to earn all three points, but Iwata got an equaliser with just three minutes left, and it was a sublime goal, and Iwata corner was only cleared to the edge of the home team's penalty area, where it was picked up by Yosuke Furukawa, he then teed up Kotaro Fujikawa to slam a brilliant 20-yard shot right into the top corner for Akita 1, Iwata 1. There was time for some late drama though, as Fujikawa went clean through with a chance to win it for Iwata. His shot was blocked by Kakoi, a superb save from him, and Keisuke Goto somehow managed to put the follow-up chance wide of the goal. So Akita won, Iwata won at full time. As mentioned, Iwata stayed just a point ahead of third place Shimizu, nine behind the leaders Machida. Akita are in 14th on 39 points, three straight draws for them, uh, and they're without a win in their last six. As mentioned, Machida are 9 points clear at the top, but they only picked up a single point away at Gunma. This game finished Gunma nil, Machida nil. Machida nearly went in front early on when Shota Fujio was quickest to a loose ball, but he slammed his shot against the Gunma crossbar from a tight angle. Meanwhile, from the home side, Hiroto Hatao had a glorious chance to snatch all three points right at the death, but from six yards out in the 94th minute, he placed his shot wide of the post. So it was nil-nil in the end. That leaves Gunma in eighth. They are one of the teams on 48 points in that uh, group of five, two points adrift of the playoff zone. There was an exciting Kyushu derby in round 33 at the Transcosmos Stadium. It finished Nagasaki 2, Oita 2, with Oita coming back from 2-0 down to earn a point. Oita gave a debut to Brazilian goalkeeper Teixeira for this game, and he needed to be uh, concentrating early on as Nagasaki started strongly. After creating some early chances, Nagasaki went in front in the 21st minute. A high ball into the box from Asahi Masoyama was kept alive by Juanma Delgado, and he bustled his way through two defenders and poked the ball past Teixeira for his third goal in three games, and his 20th of an absolutely incredible season for him. Nagasaki had to wait until the 66th minute to double their lead. Following a half-cleared corner, Masayama put in a low shot from the edge of the box that ended up at the feet of Matthias Jesus, who rolled the ball in from about 12 yards, uh, his first uh, J-League goal since uh, joining Nagasaki. Oita responded just four minutes later, though, with a goal of their own. Junya Nodake's right-wing cross ran all the way through to the back post, where Naoki Nomura rattled the ball into the back of the net. That goal seemed to galvanise Oita, and they equalised in the 79th minute. Katsunori Uebisu's cross was powerfully headed in by Shun Nagasawa. Nagasaki goalie Go Hatano could only push the ball onto the underside of the crossbar and over the line. After that, Oita even had a chance to go in front, but Yamato Machira curled the ball wide from the uh, just inside the penalty area, and it finished Nagasaki 2, Oita 2, so a pulsating second half. It leaves Nagasaki in 5th place on 51 points, but there's now a 5-point gap up to 4th place Tokyo Verdi, who are on 56. Oita are just 1 point and 1 place further back, they're in 6th. Finally, for round 33, there were no goals and not much to comment on from the game at Yurtek Stadium, where it finished Sendai nil, Kofu nil, uh, very short on goal mouth action uh, this one. 
Sendai stay 12th in the table, but uh, extend their unbeaten run to three games, which is good news for them. Kofu, meanwhile, are in 10th, and yes, they're in that 48-point group of five teams, along with Okayama, Gunma, Yamagata, and Jeff Chiba. So no goals at Yurtek. It was Sendai nil, Kofu nil uh, at full time. All right, I think that's all the J2 round 33 action rounded up then. Please stay tuned though. In a moment, you're going to hear me in conversation with Gary Irwin. Uh, we focused on the current state of affairs at Roasso Kumamoto. And uh, Gary also helped me to preview the weekend's round 34 games as well. So that's coming up next. Please stay tuned. Welcome back everyone, John Steele here again and I'm joined by a very special guest now for some uh, J2 chat, it's Gary Irwin. Gary, how's it going? John, thanks for having me back. I wish it was a, a different week though. Uh, yeah, I know. We, it's uh, unfortunately, yeah, fate, fate has uh, thrown up a Kumamoto super chat in the week of a, another league defeat uh, for Oasso, Gary. So apologies for that. But yeah, thanks, thanks so much for coming on. We were just talking in the green room about how we're we're both busy men at the moment. So uh, yeah, we really appreciate you taking some time out to uh, to talk to me, uh, especially about Kumamoto at, at the moment. And uh, Gary, let, let, let's get to it. Um, first, I'm gonna I'm gonna soften you up with some some positives. I think that might be the best way to go about this. So, let's talk about the Emperor's Cup from last midweek uh, in the big kind of quarter final for Kumamoto at home against Kobe. They ended up winning four three on penalties uh, after a one all draw uh, in normal time in the 120 minutes. Um, I, that must have been uh, a really nice, you know, fantastic occasion. And uh, you, you're in a cup semi-final. How, how does that feel? And uh, how, how is the game? Uh, the game, nerve-wracking. Very nerve-wracking. We weren't uh, the best team, but we didn't play too bad. I think we, we did a, uh, had a good account of ourselves. Mm. Um, but yeah, we'd never, we'd never been past the third round in the Emperor's Cup ever before in the 20 years we've been entering it. So to get to a quarter-final, we, we, we would have happily bowed out. Um, but to beat Kobe, I was not expecting that. I was not expecting that. And uh, all my fingernails were gone come the penalty kicks, mm. uh, especially when we missed one. And I thought, oh, it, it, we were so close. And then it was going to be snatched away from us. But no, to win 4-3, uh, it was huge, huge night. Uh, mm. I think the whole of Kumoto was uh, watching on TV that night. I, I got mentioned the Kumoto. Did you watch the game? Did you watch the game afterwards? And I was like, oh, I, I was there. <laughs> mm. Yeah, well, I think you know, Kumamoto. I mean, I, I, I'm not. I have to admit, I'm not sort of in depth with their history, and I'm sure they they must have had really important games before, you know, in in league games. But it must be one of the biggest results they they've ever had, right? As a as 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 a as a professional team, you know, certainly one of the most eye catching. So, yeah, fantastic stuff. I actually thought um, they might have blown it when they they let in that equaliser. Uh, was it in the 87th minute? Um, you know, of the ninety, because obviously they've been one nil up um, since about the sixtieth minute. Did, did did was there a collective kind of heart sinking feeling when when Kobe equalised just just before full time? There was because it seemed inevitable they were going to score, and we were just hoping if we can hold on, hold on, hold on, somehow they'll skew their shots wide or or Tashiro will make another save and we'll hang on and somehow get the win. Uh, so when they equalised, yeah, hearts sank. But the, the longer extra time went on, I thought, oh, we can we can hang on here. We're, we're just both teams seem very tired by the end of the the extra time periods. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, another thing we talked about just before we uh, started recording was like a lot of players just must be exhausted at the moment. It's been so hot 
you know, over the summer. And then to have the extra 30 minutes as well in this game in midweek must have been a real struggle for both sets of players, mustn't it? On, you, you mentioned the goalkeeper, uh, Ruger Tashiro. He's been a really eye-catching presence all season, hasn't he, in goal um, for Kumamoto. I thought he um, pretty much was at fault for that goal. Uh, that, that Kobe scored in the 87th minute because he kind of came off his line a bit, a bit well, very rashly, didn't he? And uh, got beaten to the ball by Jan, uh, Jan Patrick. But then in the penalty shootout, uh, Tasha is one of these kind of, um, uh, I, I, I almost don't want to m- mention uh, Tomaki Makino, but that he's got that kind of vibe. He's a bit of a mood maker, isn't he? Um, you know, he he seemed to really enjoy the shootout and was was bigging up the crowd. And he uh, kind of redeemed himself, didn't he? Because he saved uh, Yoshinori Muto's penalty. Uh, and that that kind of set up the um, set up the victory for Kumamoto. So um, yeah, quick quick word on uh, Tashiro. And I, I suppose we, we're going to talk about him again in a few minutes when we talk about the the league game at the weekend. But um, has he been you know the most impressive player this year, or has he been the breakout player maybe from from the squad? Is that was that is that fair? Do you think he's been one of the better players? He did take the best penalty in the penalty shootout. Oh yeah, I'd forgot to make. Yeah, that's right. I forgot to make. That was uh, that would still be travelling, wouldn't it? If there was, if there, there wasn't a net, yeah. Yeah, he fairly fired that one into the back of the net. Yeah, great penalty, great penalty. And yeah, during the penalty show, he does kind of make it about himself. He bigs himself up and yeah, and he, he pulled out some saves. So it worked, it worked. Mm. That's um, He did the same against uh, Ryukyu. We, we beat them in penalties in the second round. So um, yeah, he has mm. form in the in the cup. I was getting some Argentina, Argentina and Martinez vibes. Yeah, yeah. Not, not to the he, same he likes, extent. Yeah, but. he likes to be the centre of attention. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. But again, as you mentioned, um, our loss to Jeff, he he was at fault for the the goal mm. that happened at the weekend. Yeah, yeah. well, let's he couldn't, he couldn't hold on to a cross. No, and dropped, and then he was he was just lying on the ground, and it, it was very late in the game. Mm. So, but it wasn't the first time he, he he's misjudged a few crosses sometimes, or sometimes he's punched when he should probably catch. Yeah, mm. but overall, I, I've been happy with him. I didn't expect him to come in and take. Uh, Yuya Sato's place at the start of the season, but he's held it on, mm. uh, held on to it all mm. year, and he's he's been okay. I, I wouldn't fault him mm. too much for our, our bad mm. run of form. Mm. Yeah, I certainly think um, he, uh, even though he, he does have a mistake in him, uh, clearly uh, at the moment, you know, in, in 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 recent games, he makes so many kind of good reaction saves, or you know, he's such a good shot stopper that I think he, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, it was. Uh, surprising to see him come in and, and be the, the number one this season, I think. But um, he's definitely there on merit. And uh, yeah, I, I, he's certainly earned Kumamoto more points than he, he's cost them uh, with his performances, I think. We, we'll talk about the weekend game in a minute, um, Gary. But just just before we, we finish off on the the, the glorious uh, glorious penalty <laughs> shootout win, um, Kumamoto into the semi-finals of the Empress Cup um, for the first time ever. But they have to go away to uh, J1 opponents, Kashua Raysol in in the the semi final next month, I think that's going to be on Sunday, uh, October the eighth. So, um, how are you feeling about about that? I mean, you know, I guess nobody nobody uh, holds any uh, fear for Kumamoto at this stage, but um, it would have been nice to have the game at home, I suppose. But um, what, what what are your thoughts on taking on Kashua uh, in the next round? Uh, no fear there. We've beaten uh, Tosu, FC Tokyo, and Kobe, so uh, going to race all. Yeah, it's e- easy. Yeah, well, race are actually on a good run, aren't they, lately? I think. I, have, mm. I don't pay much attention to J1. Mm, mm. Um, 
But uh, I think they're on a bit of a like ten or twelve game unbeaten run. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Mm, mm, um, mm. But actually, I think the last team to beat them was FC Tokyo, and we beat FC Tokyo two 0 It's it's actually our only ninety minute win in the Emperor's Cup. All our other games have gone to either penalties or extra time. Mm. So, mm. Raysal, I Hopefully, we give them a tough game, or maybe they'll they'll underestimate us, and you know, then we're, we're ninety minutes from the final. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think most uh, sort of J two watchers like myself are going to be wishing uh, wishing Kumamoto all the best in that game. And uh, yeah, from a Yokohama FC perspective, you know, we Kashiro are one of the three teams kind of circling the drain at the at the foot of the table. So if you could, uh, if you could just see your way clear to like dragging that tie out to the full one hundred and twenty minutes, <laughs> uh, and just maybe making it as difficult as possible for for Kashiro, so they have to use all their substitutes. That that would also be also be much appreciated if you can if you can do it for us. But um, yeah, it's going to be going to be a great occasion and um ju- just like last year when we had uh kofu you know getting all the way to the final from j2 yes, yes. um the emperor's cup is uh, i think i'm very conflicted on this it's a great competition but um it's po- poorly managed these days and anything that anything that adds a bit of magic and a bit of allure to it is is, is very welcome and uh kumamoto have just absolutely lit uh lit up the the tournament so um yeah i hope, hope they uh, give a good account of themselves in the semi-final as well to be honest i watched the first half of the game against tosu was that round three Third round, uh, yeah. yeah, and it went toast to a two nil up at half time, or they they went two nil up, and I they just went up, yes. yeah, and I just I stopped watching at that point. I was like, <laughs> well, this game's finished, and then you know, go 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 forward two rounds and Kumamoto in the semi. So fantastic, uh, yeah, fantastic achievement, and uh, yeah, all, all the best, all the best for the for the semi final, Gary. I hope it's a a real a real occasion to remember for everybody everybody at Roasso. Um, okay, uh, Gary, that that's enough. Uh, that's enough, kind of um, you know. Uh, uplifting banter. We, we'd, we'd better move on to the, uh, yeah, some J2 chat, um, from the weekend. So the, the listeners have already heard me kind of stumble through a roundup of all the games from the weekend. We're going to focus on the, the, the Kumamoto match. They, uh, they lost 1-0 away at Jeff uh, Chiba, as I, I've, uh, I've described already. Um, I know that the goal came quite late. I think it was in the 86 minute, and you, you mentioned it was a kind of goalkeeping uh, error from from Tashiro that allowed Jeff to grab the winner. So I think on the one hand, Kumamoto were quite close to to getting a clean sheet and a point. I have to say though, on the balance of play, based on the highlights that I I've seen, uh, I think it will Jeff probably deserved the win. I don't think Kumamoto really, especially in the first half, Jeff kind of started. Uh, really well and went after Kumamoto. It was only kind of Tashiro's sort of fine work uh, in goal, making some good saves that, that that kept them out in the first half. And I think Hiro Komori, uh, Jeff's kind of breakout striker this year, he hit the crossbar as well. So um, I don't know if Kumamoto can have any complaints about losing the game, even though it must have been a, a bitter pill to swallow, um, you know, conceding the goal so late. Uh, so yeah, Gary, Gary uh, Jeff Chiba won, Kumamoto nil. What, what, what did you think? Yeah, to concede so late is, is the signal. Five minutes from getting a point, which would be really important. Um, the, the table is very tight, especially down the bottom, where one point can move you three or four places. And and for a while, uh, it was looking like we might hang on. And Jeff, I hadn't really noticed. They're, they're on a bit of a run of four wins on the spin. They're, they're just about keeping themselves in playoff contention. Mm. Um, so even if we were to hang on for a draw, it would have been a, a very good result. No, Jeff, over the 90 minutes, yeah, they had all the chances. Tashiro, he's a good shot stopper and he, he likes to come out fast and make himself big and he stops a lot of shots that way because uh, some of the J2 strikers um, 
need more time than uh, they'd ideally get. Mm. So um, 1-0, uh, it was a good battling performance, but I, I wouldn't take anything from it in, uh, positive to, too much because mm. I think the rest of our games, the next few games are all against lower teams around us where if we start losing 1-0 and again, it's a lot worse. I'd mm. rather lose to Jeff now than lose our, any of our next three games. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fair enough. I think the, the, the thing about Jeff is I'm never sure when, if it were my team losing against Jeff, I would be a bit not sure how to feel because it depends which Jeff you've played against. You know, they're a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde kind of kind of outfit. It happens at the moment, unfortunately, for Kumamoto on the day. Jeff are kind of in a bit of form, aren't they? This was three straight wins for them. And they're only two points off the, the playoff places. So at some point, we might have to grapple with the idea that Jeff are actually quite good uh, this this year. or they, They're certainly in good form at the moment. On the other hand, for Kumamoto, I think this was three straight defeats, um, wasn't it? And Yeah, third in a row. Yeah, and Kumamoto just really kind of been sliding down the table, haven't they, in, in recent weeks? They're 20th at the moment. They're just two points above the, the drop zone. Um, since I went away um, for some vacation time in the middle of August, I, I didn't really check the league table for a couple of weeks. And a funny thing is some teams are right where I remember them being or where I think they should be, like uh, Akita, for example. Um, but then when I checked, I, I couldn't find Kumamoto. I had to scroll all the way down to 20th. Um, I was a bit shocked. What's uh, what, What's been happening, Gary? What's, what's, what's gone on? <laughs> what's gone on? A million dollar question, if I could answer that. I remember we did a pod um, the very start of the season where we previewed mm-hmm. what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, if, if Roasso can have a similar season to last year and be on the verge of the playoffs, it'll be good. And then we did another pod halfway through the season where we had maybe, was it 30 points or something? I said, if we can replicate that in the second half of the season, we'll be on the verge of playoffs again. It's looking very good. And now we're here <laughs> a few <laughs> weeks later, and I think we've uh, won four games in 17 at home. It's We've been on the slide big time. Mm. And mm. the only bright spark has been our cup form. And we mm. just can't seem to replicate that into the league. We'll get a good result in the cup and then the weekend we'll lose and usually by by the odd goal to a team around us so we've slid down from fairly comfortable 7, 8, 9th maybe 6, 7 weeks ago to now just above relegation Mm. yeah it must be we do this John we do this every well we did this every year (laughs) when we were in J2 we'd have a great start to the season and get 30, 35 points we'd be comfortable mid-table and then the second half of the the season it would drop off dramatically and we'd be scrambling for points to stay mm. up. Well, you must, mm, it must be incredibly frustrating because you only need, if, if, you know, the, the evidence of the cup games is it's a pretty good team with good players. Uh, you know, so to be to be struggling at so badly at the wrong end of the, the table at the moment, you must be um, sort of in, almost incomprehensible or, you know, very frustrating, right? It's very frustrating, especially our, our home form, mm. which is, as I said, it was four wins in 17 games. So I've been there 17 times and seen four wins. It's it's tough to take your seat and, and sing the songs before every game mm. as each week passes. Mm. Where do you think on the pitch, is there anything you can actually pinpoint that is going wrong or, or is there something that go, go, it goes right in the cup games but is going wrong in the league or is it just a more general kind of you know, now the players are just in a rut and they, they, they can't seem to lift themselves out of it. Or is there, have you noticed anything that they 
Rasa were doing in the first half of the season when they were riding much higher that they've stopped doing or that that's going wrong? Well, if I could pinpoint one thing, it's when our top scorer got injured. Mm. Ishikawa had nine goals in 16 games or something, mm. 17 games the first half of the season. Mm. And he's still our top scorer another 20 games in. Mm. So once he got injured and our goals dried up. Mm. So we've been playing lots of players up top. And I guess the only, our best player, maybe our captain, who scored in the Emperor's Cup against uh, Kobe, mm. Hirakawa. Mm. He's our top scorer now, with, well, second top scorer with six. But I don't think we can rely on him to get enough goals to keep us up. So mm. someone is going to have to step up in our forward line and start putting the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, we haven't been scoring enough goals. We're, we're averaging maybe just over a goal a game. Mm. And most of that has came from our early season form. Mm. So it's, mm. it's just putting the ball in the net, mm. really. Yeah, yeah. Well, I noticed they, um, even though they conceded so late against Jeff at the weekend, they did manage to fashion a chance to equalise, didn't they, right at the death? But it was, you say, Toshida? I'm not sure if he's a young player. He's, he's an unfamiliar name to me, but he just couldn't. Uh, he was only about six yards out, but it was a difficult chance. It came at me quickly and he ended up putting that over the bar. But yeah, you can imagine Ishikawa would have, would have took that away or a, a more seasoned striker would have took that away. So. Yeah, it's problematic. It's really interesting hearing you say that because, you know, Yokohama FC, we got the same issue where we sold our good strikers and that's the one area where we, we have struggled in recent weeks is just putting the ball in the back of the net, you know, not having anyone up at the top to, to, to finish off the chances, finish off the moves. So, um, yeah, and averaging, you know, one goal-ish a game, you're always going to be uh, in trouble, aren't you? At the, you know, not, not going to be too high up the table. How How, how concerned are you about the prospect of a, a relegation, Gary, because on the one, on the face of it, a, a team that finishes, you know, a team that reaches the semi-finals, the Empress Cup shouldn't be in any, any shouldn't be in any relegation trouble. But you know, Kofu, <laughs> Kofu, I think ended up finishing 18th last year, you know, and, and went all the way to the final. So it's not it's not kind of um, inconceivable or it's not unprecedented that the, you know, that the the team that's got so far in the Empress Cup will will struggle um, based on the games that that, that Kumamoto have got left. How? Um, how do you rate their kind of survival chances? I think, I think we'll need to pick up our overall, our goal difference is much better than all the teams around us, which is kind of like mm. having an extra point. Mm. So un unless we go out and get trashed one of these weeks, which I don't see happening, um, in fairness, um, we should be okay. I think two more wins, maybe three more wins. There's still eight games to go. Mm. It's still asking a lot. We're currently in our worst run of form. Uh, two points from 24 or something like that. But mm. fortunately, this weekend, we play uh, Fujieda, who are on just as bad a run of form as us. So, yes, yes. So if you, maybe you can ask me next week. And if we've yeah. lost, then we're in big, big trouble. <laughs> but um, yeah, at, at the moment, I think there's just enough games against teams at the wrong end of the table that we should have enough to beat them, going by our players that we have. And the game, the, if they can just get up to it, pretend it's a cup game, mm. then maybe we can eke out those two, three wins we need. Mm. Yeah, I, to be honest, I'm inclined to agree. I think at this point, Olmia have improved quite dramatically since earlier on in the season, but I still think they are reaching sort of the situation's critical uh, there. I think they're seven points adrift, aren't they, with nine to play. Yes. Um, that is not an easy... I mean, I hope that they do 
part of me hopes that they stay up because I have so many Ormia supporting friends and, and you know, pod pod listeners. And uh, part of me thinks they deserve, deserve to go down <laughs> finally. And they should, they should uh, slum it in J3 for at least a season. But um, yeah, I think Ormia, uh, Kumamoto, much better side than Ormia, I think. So then, then you know, Ormia not going to finish above Kumamoto. And then, yeah, it's about getting more points than one other team, right? And I, I think based on what we've seen in the Emperor's Cup games and based on what we saw in the first half of the season, yeah, that that's well within Kumamoto's, uh, Kumamoto's grasp, I think so um, yeah not not time to uh, not time to panic just yet I think I think I agree um Gary you mentioned um Kumamoto got a big game against Fujieda at the weekend if it's okay that might be a good chance to move uh, move on and kind of preview all of the round 34 games from the weekend um together if if that's okay so round 34 is coming up on Saturday and Sunday uh the 9th and 10th of September this weekend most of the games are on Saturday uh, I think there are five games kicking off at 6pm. Uh, we're still on the kind of summertime schedule. So at 6pm on Saturday, the leaders Machida host Tochigi, who uh, have risen to 13th in recent weeks. Third place Shimizu host ninth place Yamagata. I think that's that's quite an interesting uh, game. Tokyo Verdi are at home to Yamaguchi, so fourth place hosting 19th. And uh, another interesting game is Kofu hosting Oita, 10th place against 6th. And uh, yeah, big game for the second bottom side, Kanazawa as well. So uh, they're away at Mito, so 15th place Mito hosting 21st place Kanazawa. On Saturday, there are also four fixtures at 7pm. Second placed Iwata host the bottom side Omiya. So uh, things not going to get much easier for Omiya away at Iwata, you, you'd imagine. Um, a game that I think looks really interesting as well at 7pm, Nagasaki against Gunma. So the team in fifth place hosting a team that's very close by in uh, eighth. I think that could be very interesting. There's also Okayama against Sendai at 7pm, so that's 7th place hosting 12th. And uh, Jeff Chiba have uh, back-to-back home games, they're hosting Akita, so that's 11th against 14th. And the other two fixtures from round 34, they're coming up on Sunday, September the 10th. One game at 6pm, it's the one that we've talked about already at uh, Egao Kenko Stadium, Kumamoto against Fujieda. So 20th hosting 17th. And at rounding off the weekend slate at 7pm on Sunday, Tokushima against Iwaki. Another really big game at the bottom because um, it's 16th hosting 18th. Um, Gary, I ran through those uh, indecently quickly, I suppose. But um, which which games um, do you think we should be keeping a close eye on at the weekend? Obviously, Kumamoto v Fujieda is the big one uh, in in your part of the world. Uh, but uh, any other games that you like the look of on the on the slate for the weekend? Yeah, you mentioned some of them already in the playoffs. Um, Kofu against uh, Oita. Oita and sixth. I think they have a few points gap to seventh, but they're, they're holding on to that last. Playoff spot. That would be an interesting game. Uh, Oita. We've been on a, a good run recently. Yeah, there's a few playoff contenders kind of playing each other this weekend. Mm. And they'll each be hoping to knock one or the other out. I'm also looking at, I, after seeing Jeff and being kind of surprised that they're on a good run, because as you mentioned, they're a bit Jekyll and Hyde. They're playing Akita. Now, Akita, I think, are they eight points from the playoffs? Probably too much to make a run now. Mm. But Akita are, are good. Um, away from home so I'm kind of interested in, to see Jeff against Akita I think a win for either one might keep their season alive mm-hmm. that... and last we'll see them trail off I think so mm-hmm. um, looking at the other games I, I really want Verdi to stuff Yamaguchi and Iwata <laughs> to do Omiya <laughs> that's purely selfish so sorry Omiya fans out there yeah. 
Mm. Well, I think you'll get your wish in at least one of those games, but um, <laughs> out, out of a professional courtesy, I won't say which one. I think it's going to be the easier. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, good good point about Jeff as well. I mean, three straight wins is usually about their limit, to be honest, and then they they have a uh, they'll implode at that point. So yeah, that that might be it might be a good uh, yeah Akita could could um, give them some some problems. I think ask them some some difficult questions in in that game. Um, yeah, any, any other games that you like, Lukov, Gary, or anything else you wanted to mention about the weekend weekend games? Well, focusing back on the Roasso game, so Fujieda and seventeenth. Um, and Roasso have like we've the worst home record in the league, so we really need to change that. But the last time we played Fujieda, we won four nil. So if I could, if they could find some of that, whatever happened that day, I don't know. <laughs> if, if Lightning can strike twice, mm. if we can somehow do that again to Fujieda, it, it might help our, our cause. Mm. Uh, yeah, but Fujieda—they're not so bad away from home. I think they've won. They've the worst defense in the league, don't they? Fujieda, I think so. Mm, yeah, Fujieda have conceded fifty-seven, which is the the league uh, league worst. Yeah, mm. but four mm. of them are to us somehow. Yes, maybe yes. they're not that bad. <laughs> yeah, they're also on a run of four straight defeats, so you would imagine they'll be low on confidence uh, going into the the game, and that that really should be should is the operative is is doing a lot of heavy lifting here, but that that should that should be uh, enough inspiration for Kumamoto. Um, I would, I would suggest. But um, yeah, on the other hand, uh, Fujieda, yeah, to be honest, their trajectory is a bit similar to to Kumamoto's. Of like, if you asked me, uh, without checking the league table, where they are, I would have said about twelfth, because uh, Fujieda yeah. was sort of tenth, eleventh, twelfth for a long time. Same for Kumamoto, I think, or they they were you know in and around. They they were sort of mid table obscurity, if you like, mid table safety. Uh, and yeah, the the last few weeks have really been been hard going. So um, yeah, it's become. Uh, you know, I think if I'd looked at these fixtures, you know, a month ago, perhaps Kumamoto Fujieda wouldn't have leapt out at me in the in the way that it does now because it's yeah, it's twentieth against seventeenth, and if Kumamoto win, uh, that closes the gap on uh, on Fujieda, doesn't it? Because they're they're on thirty seven with Tokushima and Iwaki, Kumamoto on thirty four. So if they if they could kind of get into that group. You know, strength, sort of safety in numbers, isn't it? If they can get yeah, into a group of teams, by virtue of our um, yeah, that's right, that's right. All difference, yes. yes. And then you'll you'll be in a group with you know two or three other teams who are all on thirty-seven. It's similar at the the, the top end of the table in the playoffs. Now we've got seventh to eleventh. They're all on forty-eight points. We've got five teams on forty-eight points, and uh, you know it's it's going to be interesting to see if one of them or or any of them can kind of just break out of that pack. And get into the get into the playoff, you know, get into the top six. It'd be impossible that one or even two of them could could do that. I think so. Uh, yeah, okay. We, yeah, there we, is enough games if someone could go on a run. John, you mentioned Tochigi. You said they're on a good bit of form. Do you think they can get something as a Machida? That's an interesting question. Yeah, I think to be honest, they they probably can get. Wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if they got a point. I think Machida have not quite been firing on all cylinders just recently. Um, had a couple of couple of draws, uh, I think. Yeah, no, every time I think I look at the table and they're like 
they're so far ahead. I, I think oh, they, they just must be keep winning. But I look at the results and they never are. So I don't know mm. how. Well, I think I think there probably is that phenomenon that does happen sometimes where they are so close to the line. And I think we, it was pretty obvious they've got sort of one foot and four toes in J one for next season yes. at this point. But it's just actually getting that over the line and making it sort of mathematical, making it certain. It can be psychologically challenging for teams, especially if they're in kind of uncharted territory which I think a lot of the players and even the coach, uh, Go Kuroda, are here. So they have um, they have kind of gone off the boil a little bit in, in the last few weeks and looked a bit jittery. So I think that will play into Tochigi's hands. Um, on paper, Machida have got a much uh, much stronger team. And of course, they've just added uh, Adam Ilsen to the, the roster, mm-hmm. uh, formerly of Gamba Osaka until he was... Uh, sacked for I think it was drink driving I think wasn't it he, I think he got so yes there. so uh, yeah um, not sure how that will will play out or whether he'll be available for selection at the weekend but no I would never to be honest I would almost always give Tochigi like a puncher's chance of getting a point in a J2 match they're just one of these rugged teams that never never seems to lie down but um, I, I don't think they'll be they'll be bringing back all three all three points from Machida but a, a point not not out of the question uh, I wouldn't have thought. Now I'm 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 scanning to see if there's a shock. I, I would uh, one more. I'll, I'll, I'll in a similar vein. Shimizu against Yamagata. I, I think Yamagata might give Shimizu a bit of a tough game. I think that'd be a really interesting kind of by J2 playoff standards. That's a, that's a heavyweight clash. I think it's two two kind of big. Uh, Yamagata in really good form, aren't they at the moment? So um, yeah, that that might be an interesting one. But um, yeah, it's a pretty good slate to be honest, uh, Gary. I think there's quite a few good games, good games to look forward to. And uh, yeah, all the best for Kumamoto on Sunday uh, Sunday evening. Three three points, very much very much needed as uh, as you've uh, as you've outlined. All right, Gary. Thanks so much for the uh, the insight and the analysis. I hope it was cathartic to get some of those uh, positives and negatives about Kumamoto uh, off your chest. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed that it's a good performance and a good result against Fujita at the weekend. I think for me and Gary, that's all uh, for JTEP for now. Uh, but please stay tuned uh, after a quick hit of music. Uh, Magic Mike Innes is going to be on hand as usual. He has all the J3 latest in J Talk Short Corner. But for me and Gary, uh, we'll leave it there for now. And uh, yeah, we'll speak to you again soon. Uh, bye for now, and here comes Mike. Hello everyone, and welcome to JTalk Short Corner, the mini-pod that keeps you up to date with events in J3 of the J-League. I'm your host, Mike Innes, and in this episode, I'll be looking back on fixtures in round 25 of the J3 season, as well as previewing the round 26 matches coming up this weekend. There were eight games on Saturday the 2nd, and leaders Ehime FC took their 11-match unbeaten run to AC Nagano Paseiro, who, having fired Yuki Stalf last week, moved quickly to appoint as their new coach, former FC Imabari and Gainare Totori boss Riki Takagi. And Takagi saw his new team fall behind in only the 12th minute, Defender Hayato Ikegaya unable to keep pace with Riki Matsuda, who got on the end of Shunsuke Motegi's cross and headed it inside the post. Parseiro, however, gave a decent account of themselves and pulled level on 33 minutes, a counter-attack down the left ending in Hayate Sugi crossing for Yuta Sato, who flicked it over Shugo Tsuji and in. 
Little in the way of goalmouth action in the second half. Final score, Nagano 1, Ehime 1. Not a bad start for Takagi, his Paseiro side now 17th. Not one of Ehime's brighter performances, but unlike everyone else in this division, they don't lose, which is why they're comfortably out in first. Ehime's closest challengers at start of play were Katane Toyama, hoping to put behind them last week's home defeat by Iwate Guruja Morioka. Their visitors here were SC Sagamihara, putting a run of form together following a busy mid-season in the transfer market, which saw Kazuyuki Toda change half his starting lineup. Toda's team had a lucky escape eight minutes before the break when keeper John Higashi was beaten by Shunta Takahashi's 20-yard shot only for it to strike the post and bounce clear. And in first-half stoppage time, Sagamihara went in front, Daisuke Kato's low ball into the box, creating panic among the Katare defence, Riku Hashimoto coolly slotting home the loose ball. Higashi kept his side in front with a smart save from Kyosuke Kamiyama's header early in the second half, and Toyama's veteran forward Takahashi then hit the woodwork again, this time via a header from Ryuya Ohata's dangerous cross. There was an action-packed five minutes to round this one off, the visitors going 2-0 up from Tsubasa Ando's penalty, awarded for a supposed foul by Shosaku Yasumitsu on Shunji Masada. Less than 90 seconds later, the home side pulled one back, substitute Mateus Leiria, remember him, scoring with an angled drive after Arthur Silva had chested down a high ball into the box. And moments after that, Sagamihara lost Kato to a second yellow card, awarded for time-wasting over the taking of a throw-in. But there was little opportunity for the hosts to take advantage. Final score, Toyama 1, Sagamihara 2. Katare have only four points from their last six games. Assuredly not promotion form, but they hold on to second. Sagamihara are still 19th, but are now six points clear of the foot of the table and closing in fast on the teams above them. FC Gifu, who've recently risen to fourth in the standings, were at Kagoshima United, playing their second match under new coach Yasuaki Oshima. The decisive action here took place in injury time at the end of the first half. Kagoshima breaking the deadlock on the counter-attack following a Gifu corner. Hiroya Norake sending in the cross. Takumi Yamaguchi racing in and converting off his knee. And the Smoking Volcanoes went in at the break 2-0 up as a Yuji Kimura hammered a long ball forwards. Noriaki Fujimoto ran onto it, his low-angled shot somehow squirming under Shu, Mogi and in. Gifu rarely threatened, but they did pull one back with seven minutes left. Kazune Kubota curling in a free kick, Genichi Endo heading it inside the far post. Final score, Kagoshima 2, Gifu 1. A first win in five for the hosts pushes them back up to fourth. For Gifu, 
Their impressive form and run of three straight wins both come to an end. They drop back to fifth. Level on points with Gifu are FC Imabari, home winners over bottom side Gidavants Kitakyushu. For the Ehime Dark Blues, this was their first victory in four under new coach Naoto Kudo, although John Ander Serantes was the busier keeper in the first half, saving well from a Yuki Okada volley. The hosts pushed forward more after the break, but the decisive moment didn't come until the 91st minute when Nagisa Sakurauchi crossed to the far post. Fellow substitute Ralph Soinchins got his head to it and Giravants couldn't clear the ball despite the efforts of keeper Kenshin Yoshimaru and centre-back Mikel Agu. Soinchins again made contact, this time his header having enough on it to scramble past Yoshimaru and over the line. Wild celebrations followed, a first goal for the Dutchman following his long road back to health and fitness, his family in the crowd to see it. And Soinchins almost scored a second, hitting the post with a low shot after good work from Marcus Vinicius. Final score, Imabari 1, Kitakyushu 0. Hardly a vintage display by Kudo's team, but the goal and the scorer on this occasion override such concerns. They're eighth, but only three points off the top two. Gidevance, now six points adrift at the bottom of the table. The second half of the season hasn't seen an upturn in results. Kazuaki Tasaka's side look in serious trouble. Facing off in a battle to move away from Kitakyushu were YSCC Yokohama and FC Ryukyu. After their round 24 loss to Vanrare Hachinohe saw them slip to third bottom, YSCC fired coach Kei Hoshikawa and quickly appointed Kazuki Kuranuki, who himself had departed Ryukyu in May. Would Kuranuki be able to guide his new team to victory against his most recent employers? In only the 10th minute, YSCC took the lead, Yusei Kayanuma rising to head in Hiroto Domoto's corner kick. Carlos Arroyo should have made it to midway through the first half, but was shouldered off the ball by Yuri Mori when through on goal. From then on, the hosts dominated the half-chance count, Domoto and Daiki Sato both shooting off target, while the visitors' best chance came from a Koki Kiyotake free kick, which clipped the outside of the post. Final score, YSCC 1, Ryukyu 0. Kuranuki starts with a win that sees YSCC jump two places to 16th. And if anyone currently looks like they might drift down towards Kitakyushu, it's Ryukyu who slip to 18th. Three vital points for YSCC and also for both Fukushima United and Kamatamari Sanuki, who continue to put distance between themselves and relegation danger. Fukushima's latest triumph under Mitsumasa Yoda came in the Tohoku Derby at Iwate Gruja Morioka, although in truth, Yoshika Matsubara will wonder how his Iwate team got nothing from the game. 
Douglas Oliveira put a great chance off target from a cross by Ryoma Ishida. Masashi Wada hit the bar from six yards and soon afterwards put it on a plate for Atsutaka Nakamura, who somehow failed to find the net, all before Fukushima went in front on 62 minutes. Loan signing Toru Shibata has played a key role in Fukushima's recent improvement, providing them pace and energy in the right wing-back position. And here he received a pass from Hiroto Yukie, combined with Ryo Shiohama to open up the home defence, and then scored with a clinical effort from close range. Four minutes later, Shibata picked up a loose ball in midfield, surged forward into the Iwate box and centred for Uheiji Uehata to fire home from the edge of the area for 2-0. Kaito Yamamoto saved well from Daigo Nishi's header to maintain the visitors' two-goal lead, which was then further extended with five minutes left. Shibata feeding Ryuji Sawakami, who let fly with a left-foot rocket from 25 yards that flew inside the post. The Paper Cranes did pull one back through Kentaro Kai's late header from Kairi Shinbo's far post cross. Final score though, Iwate 1, Fukushima 3, Gruja relentlessly inconsistent and remaining 11th. Fukushima level on points with them in 13th, their unbeaten run now at 8 matches. Sanuki, meanwhile, came away from Tegevajaro Miyazaki with maximum points. The only goal coming in the 14th minute. Man of the moment, Gentaro Yoshida, pouncing on an underhit back pass by Tegevajaro defender Shintaro Ihara, taking it round keeper Kokoro Aoki and rolling it into an empty net. The home side fought hard to recover, but young striker Harumi Minamino couldn't find the target. And in the second half, Kamatamare almost extended their lead. Takumi Narasaka's header from a free kick by Nao Eguchi, bringing a good save out of Aoki. Final score, Miyazaki nil, Sanuki won. Now three defeats without a goal for Tegevajaro, 14th. Level on points with them in 15th, Kamatamari under Atsushi Yoneyama continue to gel into a more competitive team. Van Rare Hachinohe emerged triumphant from the mid-table game at home to Gainare Totori. Hachinohe hit the bar inside the first minute when Yuya Himeno got his head to Naoya Senoo's cross, but the match's only goal came 12 minutes into the second half. Niku Yamauchi latching on to a long ball out from the back, cutting inside Gainane captain Korki Ishii and finding the bottom corner with his left foot. A fine finish for the rookie's first J-League goal. Final score, Hachinohe won Totori nil. Vanrade level on points with Gifu and Imabari up in ninth. A disappointing performance indeed from Gainane, although they remain 12th. Two games then on Sunday the 3rd, and following Katare Toyama's defeat, Azul Claro Numazu again had the opportunity to take over from them in second, and again wasted the chance with a home loss of their own. 
Nana Club were the victors at the Ashitaka Park Stadium. A fifth-minute goal from Hayato Asakawa, enough to take the points. Good work down the right from Tatsuma Sakai, who pulled it back to the edge of the area, and Kensei Nakashima, whose low shot Asakawa cleverly flicked past Hiromu Musha for his 12th of the season. The hosts struggled to put Nana under pressure. Naoki Sato's left foot shot in the 78th minute, a rare attempt on target and a comfortable enough save for Shinji Okada. Azul Claro coach Masashi Nakayama threw on ex-international forward Kengo Kawamata for his first appearance in a blue shirt and he twice came close to an equaliser, putting a header just wide and narrowly failing to deflect a low ball from Sato inside the post. Final score though, Numezu nil, Nana won. For the first time under Nakayama, Azul Claro suffered two defeats in a row, but... J3 being J3, they nevertheless stay third. Nana, meanwhile, are on an upwards trajectory. Three straight wins, no goals conceded, well placed in fifth. And finally, moving into the promotion picture come FC Osaka. They've lost only one of their last 14 matches, their latest win coming at home to Matsumoto Yamaga. Ryo Shigaki's side were 2-0 up inside the opening 20 minutes, both poachers finishes from Takahiro Kitsui. The first as he got between Masato Tokida and Takato Nonomura to convert to Rikuto Kubo's cross, the second in a goalmouth scramble following a long throw by Shunsuke Tachino. Yamagat were offered a lifeline late in the first half, the referee awarding them a penalty when top scorer Ren Komatsu clashed with Osaka's Naoki Tanaka following a corner. But homekeeper Tatsunari Nagai got down well to save Komatsu's spot kick. Even so, Matsumoto did pull one back before the break. Reo Yasunaga's looped pass headed on by Komatsu for Leon Nozawa, who beat Nagai with a superbly controlled lob. The home side were successful in limiting chances for Yamaga in the second half, and in the final minute made the point safe by means of Keita Hidaka's penalty given for an apparent foul on Kubo by Itsuki Enomoto. Final score, Osaka 3, Matsumoto 1, Shigaki's men up to 4th. They lost in round 23, they've bounced back with a pair of compelling performances. Are they now the team most likely to end up with Ehime in the top two? That's a distant dream for Masahiro Shimoda and Yamaga. Two wins in the last 11 games. They're stuck in 10th. So now to run through the top and bottom of the league standings after round 25. The top six are... Ehime with 48 points, Toyama with 40, Numazu and Osaka 39, Nana and Kagoshima 38. At the other end of the table, the bottom six are Sanuki with 31 points, YSCC and Nagano with 30, Ryukyu 28, Sagamihara 26, and bottom of the table with 20, Kitakyushu.
Just time now for a quick look ahead to the round 26 fixtures this weekend when there are nine games on Saturday the 9th. Standout fixture is definitely first against third, Ehime against Numazu. Fourth placed Osaka head to Iwate. Nana are at home to Imabari. Gifu have the chance to get themselves back in contention as they host Miyazaki. Fukushima will look to continue their revival at home to Nagano. Totori welcome YSCC. At the bottom of the table, Wooden Spooners Kitakushu host Hachinohe. Sagamihara have a massive game at home to Kagoshima. And Ryukyu travel to Matsumoto. Just the single game then on Sunday the 10th. Another big one. Sanuki are at home to second-placed Toyama. With all the week's business seen to then, that's it for this mini-pod. All that remains is for me to say, thanks for listening, enjoy your football, and see you next time. Bye for now.